I just have it in my heart this morning to go right into the sermon. We'll receive the offering at the end and might even try to, well, you know, I, I say this every once in a while, I'll try to get you out here early and it never works. So. If it actually does, then just be rejoice. I want to thank Tom Ludeman for filling in for me last week. He did a fantastic job, fantastic job. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. I even got saved halfway through it. It was just wonderful. No, it was good. I mean, that's, it is, it's good to talk about the love of the Lord, love of God. Amen. It's good to, it's good to remind ourselves, good to be reminded of his, of his many benefits. You know, much of the time when we get ourselves into a situation or we find ourselves in a situation and we're scrambling to try to make it through and the, the, the answer, the real answer is already there, obviously. We already, we've already been given the real answer. But the, the real answer is to remind ourselves of his goodness. Remind ourselves of what he has already done. And he is good. Amen? Amen. Turn with me to Mark. Mark chapter 12. We're primarily going to stay in here. This is just something that's been on my heart. I went back and forth about you know when to share it and how to share it, and the Lord this morning just showed me these verses, and I thought, oh, you know what? Then I am, I am going to go this way. Mark chapter twelve, beginning with verse twenty-eight. In the context of this, Mark twelve is where Jesus is the last week before his crucifixion, and he is uh, in the temple area. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, the Herodians, are all questioning him. They're, they're putting him to the test, which is very interesting because uh, the, this is the week, of, week leading up to Passover. And there's something happening that's like simultaneous to this questioning that these, these uh, uh, leaders are doing is the Passover lamb is actually separated from all the other lambs, whichever one they're going to sacrifice per family, and it's put in a pen all by itself. And for three days, it's watched. It's watched, to, and they, they, they inspect it, and they test it, and they look it over to make sure that it doesn't have any blemish, that it doesn't have any, any uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, mal, malformity. That's not the word I'm looking for. Deformity, thank you. It is not malformed. That's, that was in my head. I just couldn't get it in the right tense. And they, so they're checking this thing out and they're, they're, they're studying it to make sure that it's the perfect lamb to be sacrificed. Interestingly enough, that's exactly what's happening here with Jesus is every day they're asking him questions. They're trying to, they're trying to stump him. They're trying to make him trip up. And every day, he keeps answering. So if you want to read those questions and his answers, that's the first part of chapter 12. But it got to the point where they finally said, you know, never mind, we're done. We're done asking him questions. And we get to verse 28. It says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. 
The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all of your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. So Jesus, after hearing his answer, said, You know, you're not far from the kingdom. Interestingly, what he had been telling the people was, remember the, the progression of things that he had told the, the, uh, the people that were following him, at the beginning he said, you know, hey, I want to let you know the kingdom of God is near. And then the next thing he told them later on in his ministry was, the kingdom of God is among you. And at the end of his ministry he was saying, the kingdom of God is in you. So he's already telling the people, he's been telling them for three years, the kingdom of God is coming. The kingdom, and we're, this whole year, we're, we're the theme, the underlying theme of this whole year is the kingdom of God. The kingdom. What his kingdom come, his kingdom on earth, his kingdom in us, how we operate in his kingdom, what our responsibilities are in that kingdom. There, you know, if, if, you, if you get anything else, I mean, you know, after salvation, the most important thing you can learn about is the kingdom. Because the kingdom explains why and who and where and why all this works and what we're doing here. Why we do these things. So he's telling the, the uh, Pharisee or the, the, the teacher of the law here, he's saying to him, he says, you're not too far from the kingdom. Interestingly, he's farther away than the people that were following him though, isn't he? Because he, they don't, he doesn't realize that it's Jesus. That Jesus is the door. But he's close. He's realizing that, that the sacrifices, the burnt offerings, are not what matters anymore. That's a pretty bold statement for, for a teacher of the law of the day to say publicly, you know, what you just said, teacher, is more important than the burnt offerings. Because the only way they could come to God at that time was through the burnt offerings. And the sacrifices. So for a teacher of the law to say that, that's a pretty bold statement. So what he's basically saying is, is if you love God with all of your heart, and you love your neighbor as yourself, it's better than burnt offerings. Huh, novel idea. Because in a couple of days, that's exactly what Jesus is going to do. He's going to put God first. He's going to lay down his own life. And he's going to give his life for another, for us, for, for his neighbors. He's going, to, he's going to actually act this out. And when he does that, he's going to fulfill all the law. And burnt offerings and sacrifices will never have to be made ever again to please God. That is exciting. Praise God we don't have to jump through hoops for God to love us. I mean, what, what, what Tom shared last week is exactly right. We're not trying to make God love us more. He already loves us more than we could ever understand. So we can't make him love us more or, or please him more. We already please him. Praise God for that. 
But we do have a responsibility then to love God with all of our heart. So that's that song, I Surrender All. What, what are we surrendering? <laughs> Loss and debt and, you know, sin and, and brokenness. and We're surrendering all the junk that we come into this world with. Doesn't matter what we have as, as human beings. Because even Paul said that. He says, I was everything. I was a, a Jew of the Jews. I was, I was a Pharisee. I, he was this. He was that. He had all the bases covered. He had followed all the teachings since the youth. He had, he had done absolutely everything to try to please God. And he said it's worth nothing. Well, what he actually said is it was dung. But we don't say that in church. <clears throat> it isn't worth anything. It doesn't matter because it doesn't do anything to please God. What pleases God is to love him. Love him with all of our heart. Love him with all of our soul, all of our strength. How do we do that? That's the, that's the rub. How do we do that? Mm. Oh, I love God with all my heart. Right there. That was the moment. <clears throat> oh, I love him with all my strength. How do we do that? What, what does it mean to love God with all of your heart, with, all of your, with everything that you are? It is not an exertion of your strength. It's not... A, an act even of your will. It's not a, a reaching a pinnacle of, okay, I have just reached the point of loving God with all of my everything. What it means is putting him in the right place. You know what, God? I love you. I just love you. I love you with everything. Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to live my life? How do you want me to act right now? I have all kinds of choices of how I, how I can act right at this moment. Lord, which one do you want me to do? How do you want me to react in this situation? Whatever it might be. Lord, how do you want me to honor you? So we love him in absolutely every situation. We, we put him first in absolutely every situation that we find ourselves in. Whether it's here at church, here at church is easy because, you know, it's, it's, it's expected to love God with all of our heart. <laughs> Unless, of course, there's somebody here we don't like, which I'm sure never happens. There's some... Everybody pray for Diane. I think I just hit a nerve right there. Unless there's somebody <laughs> that we just, oh, they just rub me the wrong way. I mean, at, at outside of church, that's expected. But inside church, oh my goodness. Loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your strength, with all your might, means that you honor him in every way. And he knows your heart. He knows what's going on inside your mind. He knows what your attitudes are. And it's choosing to honor him in those moments. You know what? Okay. I don't necessarily want to be this way. I don't want to act this way towards that person. The person's really annoying. But I'm going to because God wants me to. So you love on them. You know, years ago, you don't know this person at all, doesn't go to this church, never has. Used to go to the 
over the other church, but I, th- th- these guys wouldn't even know who I'm talking about. There was this person. I won't even put a, a gender with it. There was this person that was just annoying. No, George, I wasn't you, not here, I said. <laughs> this person was just annoying. I didn't like them. I just, I didn't want to be around them. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I would see this person coming and I would actually just walk the other way because I was like, oh, I don't want to deal with this person. Oh. And, and this person was just always there, you know, and just so it was always that, uh, just that, oh, like the, you know, this week I was picking up a load of something out of a trailer and I, I jammed a piece of metal underneath my fingernail. You know that feeling? That's what this person was like all the time. It's like, oh! And then I couldn't get it out because it was so deep, you know, so then I, I was trying to, trying to get it out, trying to dig it out. I finally just quit. I think it came out because it doesn't hurt anymore. Or my finger's gone numb and it'll be just... But this person was just, oh, just frustrating and oh, I didn't like this person and I just, oh, I would never hang out with him. If, if given the choice, I would never hang out with him. And then God did something really, really mean. Put us on the same mission trip for two weeks. Person goes on the mission trip, and I was just like, you are kidding me. Oh, for two whole weeks I have to spend with this person on a mission trip. Lord, why would you do this to me? Why? Because he loves me. And he knows that I need to get over. You know, the person, the person wasn't the problem. Guess who was the problem? Oh, sure, it's quick for you to go. Mm. <laughs> so we get on the mission tip, and guess what? The person is annoying. I knew it. I knew it. I knew the person was going to be annoying. I knew that I was going to have to deal with this, and I was not happy. I just didn't like it at all. And for days, the person just was, they were themselves. That was the thing. They were just being themselves. And, oh, it just frustrated me because I didn't want to hang out with this. They weren't cool like me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, Pastor Dan. And then about halfway through the trip, something happened. God changed my heart. You know that you notice that it says that he that we are to love God with all of our heart, love him with all of our strength, all of our might, everything that we are, all of our soul, and love others as ourselves. Huh. Isn't that interesting how those two go hand in hand? And there's even a verse that says, How can you say that you love God and you don't love your brother? That's an annoying one. About halfway through, this person, I don't, even, I don't even know what changed. I can't, I can't tell you a, a for instance. <laughs> but halfway through, God started changing my heart. Have you figured out who it is yet? You know who it is. I've, talked, I've already confessed it to Pastor Greg. <laughs> halfway through, about three quarters of the way through, my heart absolutely melted for this person. And it wasn't something I did. It wasn't me being a better person and me loving God more. It was just me going, you know what, God? I see who I am. 
I realize that I don't have it in me to love that person. That's wrong. It's just wrong. You love that person. And I know you want me to love that person, and I just don't have it in me. Lord, if you want to do something, go ahead. How do we love God with all of our heart? Letting him deal with us. Giving him permission to love through us. I can't remember what happened. I don't remember the specific moment that anything changed. But by the end of that trip, that person is now one of my favorite people in the whole world. It just happened. It just happened. It just It's like, God, you're amazing. It's amazing what happens when we just let down our defenses. Because what happens, we put up our defenses and we say, okay, that isn't going to pass here. That person, that thing, that whatever it may be, it's, I'm not going to let it pass this point, and it's not, I'm not going to let it affect my heart. But when we put up that barrier, we're also putting up a barrier to God's love. Because I wouldn't have realized the next level of God's love that I, He wanted me to understand if I wouldn't have let that person into my life. If I had kept them at arm's length, I wouldn't have understood. You know, the Bible says that with all of the saints, all of us knowing the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of his love, it takes all of us loving each other and then loving people that are even unlovable to really understand how much God loves us. So when I get, you know, when I start acting uncool, and you know, I mean, God's probably the coolest thing that's ever been, you know. And why would he want to hang out with me because I'm a dork. I think we should really start praying for Diane now. But God loves me anyway. And God wants to spend time with me anyway. That's amazing. He, he in his amazingness, his, his fullness not needing anything, decided to send his one and only son, his perfect son, to die for my sins. Wow! He lowered himself, lower than the angels. He lowered himself to be like me because he loved me. How can we love him? By not putting up those walls and not stopping the love of God from being shed abroad in our hearts. By not putting up exceptions to the rule. Oh, I'm going to love this side of the room because they're awesome. But No, we don't set up exceptions. We allow him to love through us anyone he wants to love. And usually, almost always, he sends you to the most unlovable on your list. Not on his but on your list. Why? Because he needs you to see who you are. And the answer is to surrender all. I surrender all. Powerful. Life-changing. It will change your life when you begin to love this way. When you, be, uh, when you uh, begin to yield yourself to him and allow him to love through you in this way, it will change you forever. It will cause you to be a much different person. 
but it's kind of scary. Because it means taking down those walls. So here in this scripture is one of the most powerful concepts. It is. I'm going to even say it. It is the most powerful concept in the kingdom of God. Love. That that concept in, in Mark chapter 12 is Jesus laying it all out on the line and saying, this is the most powerful thing. This was the thing that will change you forever. It'll change the world. And it does change the world. When we love in that way, it changes the world. It changes the world around us, me and that person. But then it also changes our communities. It changes our area. It changes our state. It changes our country. It changes the world. Why doesn't it change? Why in the last 2,000 years hasn't changed faster? Because we haven't, as a church, we in the the church for the past 2,000 years, haven't loved God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, with all of our soul. And we can't collectively make a, a pact that we're all going to do that. It can only happen individually by saying, I surrender all. I will, I, Lord, I, I will let you work through me and then you get to change me. Because I didn't do it. That person, I, I didn't say, okay, I am now going to choose to start loving this person. I didn't. The only thing I could choose to do is, God, you know, change me. You change me. Most important, most powerful concept in all of the kingdom, love. The greatest of these is love. Interestingly enough, that's just the introduction to what I want to talk about. Let's keep going. Skip down a few verses, not too many. Mark chapter 12, beginning with verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where, where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything all she had to live on. And that's where that chapter ends. So here you have, in chapter 12, Jesus being tested. That's what's happened in the first third. The middle third is him talking about the most powerful concept in all of the kingdom, love. And the, he ends this chapter... Mark ends the chapter, but, but God was inspiring him by the Holy Spirit. He ends the chapter talking about giving. What in the world? Now, hang with me here, folks. I know what you're thinking. Wait a second. He's turning this into a giving teaching. Oh, no. I was sucked in. <gasps> I thought we were talking about love. That I want to talk about, but not giving. Oh, no. And that was kind of my biggest concern when the Lord's been just talking to my heart, talking to me in the last few weeks about giving. He goes, I want you to do a giving series. 
One sermon, two sermons, 50. I don't know. I'm thinking, no, Lord, everything's been going really good. (laughs) You start talking about giving and then people get, oh, all they want is money. No, Lord, don't make me do that. Then this morning he showed me about where it talks about love. And then I noticed this in that verse 41. What does it say here? This is really interesting. Verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Huh. Jesus used to sit and watch people give. Hmm. Now, my wife will attest, because my wife does the books, I don't watch what people give. I don't. Gwen used to work for me. She knows. I don't ask. I don't ask, how much did uh, Honerbrinks give this week? <laughs> I, don't. I don't. I don't care. I don't look at it. I don't, I don't, I don't want to know. Purposely. I don't want to know, I, so I don't look at it. I see the big number. I, I don't, but I don't sit and watch people give. Jesus did, though. Huh. Now. <laughs> you know those, that phrase, going where angels fear to tread? I get what that means. But I'm, I'm really excited that God showed me that in the same chapter that he talked about the most powerful concept in the whole world, in the whole universe, love, loving loving God with all of our heart and loving him is in the same chapter as Jesus sat and watched them give. Huh. Kind of shows you the importance of it, doesn't it? Now, I feel like I have the freedom to, to, to give a small disclaimer here. Just so that you know my heart. For anybody who's come here for any length of time, you know that I don't preach sermons on giving all the time. Right. And you know that I'm not all about money. We hardly ever talk about it. Give you opportunities you give as the Lord leads. No pressure, no condemnation. Right? Good. So the next couple weeks I'm going to talk about money. You can come if you want to. You cannot come if you want to. No pressure. I don't see any brand new first-time-ever people here, so we don't have to worry about them. Because you, usually you hear from somebody, oh, yeah, I went to that church, and all they talked about the whole day, they, they, the, they talked about stewardship the whole time. Figures. That must be what that church is all about. No. But it's important. It's important. Now, I'll also say, here's the other part I, I feel like I can disclaim about. Finances have been awesome. Amazing. Offerings have been over the top. Do you know that we did the whole 25th anniversary and everything's paid for? I mean, and we're talking lots of money. And people gave above and beyond. It's paid for. I have absolutely nothing to complain. I mean, we sent a whole mission team last year. Everything's paid for. I mean, just over the top. Your, your giving has been amazing. So I'm thinking, Lord, why, why, why mess with a good thing? 
But I think, you know, usually it's, it's times like this is when you should talk about it. Quick, quick, well, everything's good. Just let you know that nobody, there was, that nobody here should have any condemnation whatsoever. But Jesus sat and watched them give. You know, the, the second thought, the first thought that hit me was, Jesus sat and watched them give. Here is the Son of God, could do anything. He could do anything that last week. He has a week left of his ministry. He could do anything. I mean, I could think of a billion things he could have done during that week. There's probably a billion things I would have done. I mean, heal absolutely everything that moves. Eradicate all disease, sickness, everything from the face of the earth, completely, once and for all. Which he actually did, but we don't have to. It's a whole other sermon. He could have done, he, he could have performed miracles all over Jerusalem, get as many followers as possible. No, what did he do? He sat and watched a bunch of people give. Interesting. He watched a whole bunch of people give. People gave a lot, because he said he noticed that. He noticed that there were a bunch of wealthy people who gave all kinds of money. Verse 43, true, uh, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, oh, I'm sorry, back in 41, many rich people threw in large amounts. So there were tons of people giving. Tons of people. And then all of a sudden, this little widow came and gave two mites. I have a mite. I've shown you guys the mite that I have in my, in my office. Somebody gave it to, oh, you guys gave it to me, wasn't it? Yeah, you guys gave it to me. It's a little chunk of copper that somebody hit with a hammer or something, you know, and it's about that big. Tiny. I actually have two mites. I'm pretty sure that they're the two that we have here. <laughs> but these little tiny chunk of copper, probably the, the least worth, worth anything thing. The English language... <laughs> The least amount of value, thank you, Deb, the least amount of value of any coin in the realm, he came, she came, and dropped it in the bucket. And that was the thing that caught Jesus' attention. All these people gave tons of money. Now, I notice that Jesus was watching the giving. What do you think the possibility is that God watches our giving? Hmm. Why? Because it's all about the money. I see a bunch of heads going like this. Quick, really quick. Everybody like this. No. It's not about the money. It's about what he was talking about earlier on. It's about the heart. It's always been about the heart. It's always been about our heart towards him. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all your strength, with all your, your soul. Everything that is in you, love God with absolutely all of it. Well, part of that all is the financial realm. We're supposed to love him. We're supposed to love God with our time, right? Now, does that mean that we spend every single moment in church? Because, you know, I mean, if you want to love God with all of your time, that must mean you, you just 
You sell everything and you spend every waking moment, every sleeping moment in church. Well, we know that's not true. Some people have done that. And, you know, that's great if that's what you know, they feel like they're supposed to do. But most people don't. And I know a whole lot of people who love God with all of their heart that don't spend every waking moment in church. So when we hear that we're supposed to love God with all of our money, immediately red flags start going up and sirens and, and whoop, whoop, you know, and they want all of my money. No. We're just supposed to honor God with all of our money. Whatever that may be. I don't know what that means for you. I know what it means for us. I know the things that the Lord has dealt with us, led us to do. And we're supposed to love him in this kingdom. He has everything. He gets everything. When I gave up my will, when I gave up my life, when I gave up everything, I said, Lord, you take everything. I didn't realize then. I do realize now it meant everything. He gets to have everything. He gets to have a say in everything. How I spend my time, who I love, who I care for, who I, who I spend time with, who I, you know, what I give money to, what I don't give money, what I spend my money on. He gets to have a say in that. Dang it! Or not. Because when we love him with everything, we get everything. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with everything. And then, verse 43, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. Obviously, and here's the key point, we're talking about a different economy than what everybody thinks. Because... In my economy, in my, when I look at it in a monetary vo uh, form, great wealth is more than two copper coins. Great wealth is not equivalent, is not less than two copper you know, coins. So something else is taking precedence here, and he's looking at not the money being thrown in, but the heart. He's looking at the heart. He's looking at, she just gave more than everybody else combined. Why? Because she did it out of her poverty. She gave all that she had. What moves God? Big checks? No. Big hearts. Big hearts is what moves God. God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to be a part of this? How do you want me to be a part of this offering? How do you want me to be a part of that opportunity? Lord, how do you want, do you want me to be a part of this, that, or the other thing? At least be willing to say, okay, God, I'm opening up my heart here. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? In this situation, it's interesting. That's probably the, the attitude she had. I mean, obviously, because Jesus pointed it out. It's in the Bible. We'll get to meet her someday, my guess is. Her situation must have been dire. 
How did Jesus know that she put in everything that she had? Probably because the Holy Ghost told her. She just put in everything that she had. It's the only way he could have known. But when you have two copper coins, and that's it, what are you going to lose by giving it all away? Because it's probably not going to buy you much food, if anything. It's not going to sustain you or anybody else for a very long period of time. She had come to the point where she had no other hope. She had nothing else. And she turned to God and said, you know what, God, here's the deal. All I have is these two coins. I know it's not going to do me any good. I'm going to give it to you. And Jesus saw that and went, boom, there you go. That's what this is all about. God, here's my deal. I don't have anything. I don't have anything left. Everything's gone except these two copper coins. You can have those too. You can have all of me. You can have everything. Does God ask us to give absolutely everything? Yes. There are times, there are times when he asks you to give everything. And then there's the rest of times where he wants you to be willing to give everything. Acting as though it's not yours. Okay, God, here it is. Here's my life. And I'm not just talking about money now. I'm talking about everything. Time, affection, love, purpose. God, you can have, you can have my future. From this moment on, you can have every moment from now until the end of eternity, which will never happen. You can have everything, God. I mean, that's a lot of eternity, you know. I mean, I may, I may have a couple of moments there. I want to do my thing. But the great thing is, if I give him everything, guess what I get back? Everything. And above everything. The things that I've given up in my life. I surrender all. That song is so powerful. The things that I've given up in my life were worth nothing compared to what I have now. The ten friends that kicked me out of their house because I became a Christian and they didn't want to hear, hear me talk about Jesus one more time. And they said, don't ever come back here. Lee, get out and leave. I don't want to hear about you, Jesus, or anything anymore. Those ten friends that I lost that were everything to me, that was everything. That was, that was the only people that ever cared about me ever. At least that's the way I you know, looked to me anyway. Look what I've gained back. Look what I've gained. Friends. Amazing friends. Friends here. Friends in Wisconsin. Friends all over the United States. Friends all over the world. If I had stayed doing that, you know what I would have done? I'd have died with those same diminishing ten friends, probably. Life and life more abundantly. Walking down the street one day, after, after losing all my friends, all I did for weeks, 
after losing all my friends was, was I'd go to work, I'd go home, I'd read the Bible, I'd go to sleep. I'd get up, I'd go to work, I'd go, you know, I'd go, to, I'd go home, I'd read my Bible, I'd go to sleep. Weeks that, that happened. Thinking, my life is over. Found out about a Bible study at a church one night. So I started going to this Bible study because I thought, hey, maybe I'll meet some people there. The people all ignored me. You know, have you ever gone to a church and you say, I'm never going to that church again because nobody greeted me and nobody was nice to me. Every night I went to that, there was tons of people there. It was a big group of people going to this Bible study. They all ignored me. One day I went, God, what is the deal? They're supposed to be nice. They're Christians. How come they don't, they're, I mean, no, they're not just, you know, they would just look, look at me and So when I hear people say, well, your church isn't very friendly, <laughs> good luck. Because God can shut that off in a second, you know. Because I asked God, I said, what is the deal? These people, nobody even talks to me. Nobody, nobody they just ignore me. They walk away from me. And, he, and got me very clearly, he spoke to my heart and he says, I want you to be, your heart to be after me only. And when you're happy and fulfilled in me, then you'll get friends. Oh, because I was, I was hoping that that would fill that void. I was hoping friends would fill that void. Well, friends will never fill the void. Only Jesus can fulfill the void. And only having a relationship with him can you have a relationship with anybody else. Same thing with spouses. Same thing with jobs. Same thing with anything. When he fulfills everything in you, then you can handle what he really wants to give you. She gave everything. I surrender all. Are you willing to surrender everything? To be a part of the kingdom means to surrender everything. You know what, God? I don't get the situation I'm in right now, but I give it to you. It's a mess right now. It's falling apart. It's getting worse. Whew, take it quick before there's nothing left. But even when there's nothing left, he'll still take it. Because he doesn't care about the stuff. He doesn't care about the things, the money, the, the, the accolades, the, the position. The, you know, he doesn't care about any of that. He cares about your heart. Love the Lord with God with all of your heart. But when we hang on to things, when we, when we grasp them so tightly that we will not let go of them, We keep him from entering, we set up that wall. Remember that wall we're talking about? If we don't trust God with our finances, and so we, we just, we grasp onto that thing so tightly that we're not willing to just go, Psh, take it all, it's yours. I'll give absolutely every penny away from now on and watch what God does. But if we don't, if we hold onto that thing, if we hold onto it so tightly that we put up this wall, then he can't do it. He can't, our, we're so tightly wound around that thing, he can't get into what really matters, our heart, and then give us more than we could ever imagine. It's amazing that this widow figured it out before all the rich people did. Here, Lord, <laughs> I, I have 
A whole sum, a whole sum amount of nothing. Take it. And Jesus went, there she goes. She's in. She's not in the kingdom because she gave. She's into the understanding of it's by opening up her heart and letting everything go. Here you go, God. Take everything. It's yours. My reputation is yours from here on out. God, I'm, I'm hooked up with you. I believe your word that says you will supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory. The thing I fear the most is that people are going to ridicule me because I failed monetarily. You can have my reputation too. Here it is. I'm hooking myself to you. You are now my reputation. And that's amazing because we have scripture that says that we will not suffer shame. Huh. If we let go. And I know this, this becomes that trite Christianese phrase. Let go and let God. But it works. If we don't let go of all of that stuff, we will keep limping along until we finally get to, or, or we just die in it. That's possible too. Or until we figure out, man, it has nothing to do with me. Now I want you to notice something. You notice how I said this was about money? And we, we kind of bounced off the top of talking about money, but it has absolutely nothing to do with money. But it has everything to do with money because it's just part of our life. It also has everything to do with you. We can't compartmentalize, though. That's the problem, is we compartmentalize. I'm going to give my time, I'm going to give my future, but the money, I'm going to hold on to that, and then I'm going to hold on to the friends part. Okay, God, you get to have this, and I get to, I'll take this, and you, you sort that out, because I really can't figure that. I'm not really good socially, so here, yeah, go ahead and take my friends, because I need help with that area. But the money part, that part, I'm going to keep. You know, that doesn't fit with the whole song, I Surrender Any of those areas we try to hold on to, keep, keep close to us, is what? <gasps> pride. It's called pride. Why does God want me to talk about money? Why does he want me to talk about tithes and offerings and alms and all that sort of stuff? Because he wants our heart. He wants our heart. And if that's the thing that's holding you back from having, you know, for, from God having all of you, your whole heart, then that needs to be, po I need to poke that button. I mean, that's really nothing. The money thing is just, it's nothing. Do you know that money is one of the only things that is not going from here to there? Relationships will go from here to there. The things that the things you throw your life into, you know, the things that that have eternal eternal consequences, eternal value, will travel from here to there. Money will stay here. Why? Because money is it has so little value. I mean, literally, right now, right now. I, I mean. Right now, God could say, open up that base cabinet right now, and there will be $10,000 in there to solve your problem. <laughs> yeah, woohoo! 
He did that with a fish, remember that? I mean, Peter was all worried about the, you know, the, the, the tax. And he says, tell you what, go down to the lake, go fishing, throw your, throw your line in, open up the mouth of the first fish you catch, and in there will be the tax for you and me. He could do anything. Money is nothing. He could do it in a second. He could solve every one of our problems in a moment. Why doesn't he? Ah, because he's dealing with our hearts. He's dealing with our hearts. Heard this said before. The problem isn't a lack of money. The problem is in the heart. For years we were going through you know, uh, tight opportunities here at the church. Years. I haven't said this, I don't think I've talked about this publicly. I've talked about it with our leadership a lot because just, you know, talking about all the different things we've been going through and watching God move miraculously. But for about 10 years, we were in the, the, the official uh, uh, phraseology would be called sucking wind. <gasps> for about 10 years, financially, we were, we were it, was, it was, woo, week to week. Offering to offering. And in those 10 years, God dealt with me amazingly. To the point where I was like, you know what, God? This is your deal. I can't, I can't bring a single penny into the offering. I can't. And I don't want to. Because if I, if I can say something that will cause people to give, then what does it become? My ability to manipulate people. What it finally came down to was me saying, you know what, God? This is your deal. If, you're going to, if, you, if you provide, we'll do whatever you tell us to do. If you don't provide, we'll shut the doors. I'm okay. I really am. I'm okay. I'm to the point now, I don't care. But God, I know you have plans here. I know you have things you want to do. And last summer, give me the exact amount. How much did we owe on that line of credit last summer? 30? Well, yeah, tell me. That's why I'm asking you. I don't know. $28,000 $28, on a line of credit last summer. And we've been carrying that for years, off and on, different, paying off a little bit, and then we'd go back, you have to borrow more, and then pay a little bit, and then, you know, back and forth. 28000 which maybe to you is not much because, you know, you owe more of that on your credit card, which you shouldn't. That'd be bad. But, Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey. <laughs> Don't owe money. It was just bothering me. I mean, that really bothered me that we owed money like that. I just, I hate it. I mean, we don't owe money. We didn't owe money on anything else. I hated that. Absolutely hated it. We've been carrying it for, you know, we try and we try this and we try that and we'd believe and we'd confess and we'd do this and we'd do that. It finally came to the point last summer I said, you know what, God? I quit. I can't figure it out. I can't make this happen. I can't do this. And if you want it to happen, you could do it in a second. And then last August, was it last August? We had just got back from the mission trip to, to Hungary, Romania. And something happened. We didn't double in size. We didn't, nothing you know, I don't know, maybe some of you did. I don't, because I don't look at the offerings. I don't look at who gives what. Maybe some of you got like huge amounts of bone. I don't know what you did. I don't know what got. But all of a sudden, within what, three months? Six months. 
She's the number person. I asked why and keep turning to her. Within six months, done. It's gone. That whole debt. I didn't do anything different. We didn't do anything different. I didn't, you know, okay, folks, that's it. We're getting out. We're, we're going to pay this thing off now. I want everybody to give. Punch card, yes. Ka-chunk, ka-chunk. No, I just said, you know what, God, here's the deal. You do this. But I give you all. I'll give, it, I'll give you my reputation because we'll shut the door. It's not about my reputation. It's about your reputation. I wasn't manipulating God. I was just saying, I'm done. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I'll, we'll do whatever you tell us to do, Lord. Now, you notice that I didn't receive the offering earlier. The reason being is if, I want, if you're going to get mad because of something I'm saying about money, I want you to get mad and not give. Okay? That's what I, I'm just doing. I'm being honest with you. I'm being up front. I'm being straight up. I, you know, that's the way we'll always be here. Is we'll be straight up. It's about the heart. And it's about Him. It's about giving Him everything. And then, when you give Him everything, He'll give you everything. Since that point in time, since that, that debt got paid off completely, we also sent a whole mission team. I think there was, there was myself and Jamie and Vern Norton and Thomas Lonke and Pavel and Irina and Dan and Marta. The, we sent that whole team, the whole team the church paid for and never asked them. I never asked you guys for anything. And God, God provided for that whole mission trip to pay every single bit of it and, and I have been praying for that for years. Lord, someday I want to send whoever wants to go on a mission trip absolutely debt-free to them that doesn't cost them anything. And that the money will just be there. So if 50 people say, hey, I feel like I'm supposed to go on this mission trip, we go, all right, we write the check, we buy the tickets, and we go. That's going to happen on a regular basis here in Jesus' name. That is how I want to live. Because we're supposed to live out of the overflow. Why do we go through the undertow, though? To get our heart right. To get our heart in a place where we realize it's not about me. So when that does happen someday, when there is so much money, we can do anything we want, whenever God says to do it, there is just, we're just like, yeah, well, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll do that, we'll build that, we'll send that, we'll do whatever. When that happens, none of us can say, look at us. Woo-hoo. It's about him. Now we'll give you an opportunity to give. Ushers, offering envelope. I want to read this verse. We'll come back to it next week. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning with verse 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Absolutely. Never, ever, 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 never feel like your arm is being twisted. If God tells you not to give in an offering, don't give. Don't give. If God doesn't lead you to do something, don't do it. Because if you do it, when he doesn't tell you to do it, it's disobedience. Do it because he leads you. Do it because he desires for you to move in a certain way. You do that. You, be, you, be, you give him your whole heart. I trust him and I trust you.
We have to make an announcement. We have to send out an email that everybody who isn't here this morning needs to listen to this sermon. Give as the Lord leads you. Because I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if we give according to how He leads us, rather than emotion or, or compulsion or anything else, every need of this body will be met. Every individual's need, every, every large group need, everything that we do here and overseas, all of it will be met according to His riches and glory because we're doing it with the right heart attitude. Heart attitude. That's what it comes down to is heart attitude. Amen? Amen.